Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, crew night is coming up. I want to go to Malibu too. All right, we'll go get all that collection of cars and just head to Malibu. Who's with me? Come on, we'll just take a road trip, take a few days to get out there to Malibu, go out to Malibu, do some surfing, hang out, hang 10. Oh, come on, church, church, are you awake this morning? Set this glorious worship. God's on the throne, isn't he? He's awesome. Hey, Crew Nights is uh, our 7th through 12th grade ministries, and they're going to have a great time. I encourage you, if you know any person in that age group, neighbors, nephews, grandchildren, whatever, get them here. God will touch them in a powerful way. It's, uh, God's presence will be here, and they'll have a good time and encounter God in fresh ways. Amen? All right. Hey, uh, before I preach, I want to share a couple things with you. One is that I received this testimony just a a while back, let me find it, what happened here, done, I had it all together, and then it, all right, yeah, so a few months ago, I had the privilege to go to Sri Lanka and minister um, at a place that I hadn't been to in probably over 20 years, and uh, we'd gone, and uh, this friend that I had was planting a church and a ministry, and it's just been uh, amazing what God's done through them. They have a Bible college now. They have a church that are in different locations. They're feeding the poor. They're um, training. It's, it's just amazing. And uh, during the time of ministry, um, they, they had uh, prayer time. And so people were coming forward and uh, being prayed for. And I received this uh, from a, a man and a wife that I had prayed over. He said, hi, Pastor Philip, hope you're keeping well. When you were down in Sri Lanka, you prayed over me and my wife and declared, to, declared a new season of joy and restoration. As I was praying, sometimes as I pray, I get pictures or I get words of wisdom or knowledge that come. And just It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I remember this uh, as I prayed, and it says... Um, well, we never saw it coming, but my wife is five months pregnant, and we're expecting our baby boy in November. Now, here's the miracle. The miracle is that she has had eight miscarriages since we had our baby girl 11 years ago. You, you'd also prayed over my wife that God has heard your cry in the secret place. Appreciate your prayers for the rest of the pregnancy to go well without any complications. How many of you agree with me with that? Come on. We believe that um, God will, they will give, uh, have a healthy baby boy and complete this pregnancy through, uh, to only God. And, and the reason I share that is to give God the glory and to share with you, don't, don't ever underestimate what God may want to do through you. Just a simple prayer, an impression. Like, don't ignore that. You don't have to go to Sri Lanka. 
okay? You don't have to go do that, but you, right where you are, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience and just being responsive to the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to be strange. You don't have to be overly dramatic. You just follow the promptings of God and watch what he'll do. And that's why I encourage you. And I also share that with you because when I go, when I travel, when I'm able to do that, it's because of this church. I go as a representative of God's kingdom through the Rock of KC. I'm not going with the Philip O'Reilly Evangelistic Healing and Outreach Association. It's, it's like I don't have a separate corporation or anything like that. It's us. And so we're in this together. And so the fruit you bear and the fruit I bear, we get to share in it together. That's the principle of the scripture. Those who stayed home and those who went to war got to share in the spoils alike. And that's what the body and community of Christ is about. So can we give him glory? We believe him for greater things. Amen. The other thing I want to share with you is that uh, for years and years and years, uh, Isaiah 58, the fast uh, that Isaiah talks about, he says not to fast from food. If you go read Isaiah 58, you can look at it. There is a time to fast from food and things like that. But this, God's fast is that you divide your food among the poor, that you bring the helpless into your homes. And, and so I've always had a dream and a vision that uh, we'd be part of something that would provide homes for the homeless or allow people who are on the streets to come in and, and encounter God and, and get saved and, and, and uh, be released. And so we, we've partnered with several ministries over the years that do similar ministries. Uh, but this ministry I just heard about called Eden Village out of Springfield, Missouri, has created a little a literal village of tiny homes, much like what they've done here in Kansas City for the tiny homes for veterans, which is an amazing project as well. And so uh, as I heard about them, I'd ask Devin and some others, like, hey, let's check this out. Let's go to Springfield. Let's take a road trip. I was all excited. Let's go look at this thing over. Maybe God wants to do it here in Kansas City. And well, someone's already doing it. And so we have a connect group called Dine and Do. Dine and Do. So they, I, I don't know how it all works, but they eat. Like, I don't know how often they meet, but they'll meet one time and then they'll go and do something. I'm going to do something practical and not just gather and have fellowship. That's all good. How many of you know that it's good to gather and read and study the Bible? But if you don't do anything beyond that, like if you're not practically winning anyone to Christ or, or going out and doing a good work, then what you got is a nice little uh, us four and no more. Okay, I hope that brings some conviction. No condemnation, but definitely conviction to say, hey, we're not just called to gather and, and encourage one another, which that's important, but like let's do something with it. That is valuable. Encouragement's valuable. But if we're not reaching out beyond ourselves, if we're not reaching out and reaching the lost and fulfilling the Great Commission, how many of you know we just got a nice little Christian club thing going on. But the church is to be moving and active and uh, rescuing the perishing and bringing people out of darkness into light, praying for their healing, praying for their deliverance and getting out of our comfort zone and getting into the devil's zone and snatching people from the fire. Come on now. Come on. Who's with me? Let's go. We're, we're, like, we're more than conquerors through Christ, so let's go conquer some stuff. Let's conquer our fears. I'm starting to preach. Okay, I'm going to do it. We have, some, we have interns, and I'm trying, uh, we're teaching the interns how to pray out loud. 
like learn, like I need you guys to learn how to pray out loud. And we had, uh, so this last Thursday, uh, I had them. I said, okay, here's what's going to happen, guys. You get a choice. We can either go around the circle or we can popcorn. What's your, what, what do you want to do? You know, popcorn is, popcorn, it requires moisture and heat for it to pop. And some kernels are more stubborn than others. <laughs> All right, you know what I'm talking about? And so I said, which, what do you guys? And they're all like, mm -hmm. and then finally I said, well, popcorn. So we, I said, we're going to popcorn this. And uh, there was one young man who the first time I had him do that, like he tried and tried, but the words just wouldn't come. Like he was just too nervous and, and, and everything. But this time he prayed. This time he prayed. It was awesome, yeah. But see, you got to be coached, you got to be trained, and you got to be willing to step into it, okay? So yesterday, back to Eden Village, we went to help them. Uh, they have purchased a, an old um, mobile home park around 107th and Metropolitan in the Argentine district of Kansas City, Kansas. And uh, it's amazing. I, I think we have some pictures but so the dine and do, or the do and dine, whatever, uh, this is the, the thing. There's going to be 23 of these little homes that are here, and it's being cleared, and we were weed eating. In fact, after the weed eating, I, I thought I was a mixed salad. This is a, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, but uh, the, we just served, and there were about nine of us or so. But here's the thing, that you never know what you're gonna, who you're going to encounter if you'll step out and just get... And, and serve or do something, uh, you know, beyond what you're normally going to do and what you like to do or whatever. And I met this man named Jim Schmidt. And Jim was the guy heading up our workday there. I found out that Jim, I, I heard his story. At, at fourth grade, he started drinking and doing drugs. At the fourth grade, by the time he's in high school, Jim is a drug dealer. Now, Jim's story is, is that uh, I was really good at being bad. And he, and he goes, uh, you, if you could snort it, if you could inject it, if you did it, I was doing it. And he goes, so finally, at the age of 36, he was actually in a Bible study. And in a Bible study, he kind of had an encounter with God while the teacher was teaching and he thought he was literally too, he was having a hallucination because he was drunk, because he came. He goes, maybe I had a little bit too much to drink before I come to Bible study. How many of you know that's great when drunks come to Bible studies? They can encounter God. Come on now. And so he had this encounter with God, and he, and he kind of came out of it, and he thought, I wonder if they knew that I was not here for a few moments. And so he shared this story, and he goes, Fast forward a few days or weeks later, I don't remember, but he was at some birthday party and he said, I remember that I had, I, I, I went off to a private place to get a drink and I had this moment with God where I said, God, if you can put the stars in the sky and speak them into existence and they're held, they're held there by your power, because he'd been in Bible study, he's learning, okay? <laughs> he said, God, then it would be nothing for you to take this away from me. And he goes, in that moment, for 27 years, I've never had a relapse. He goes, the most amazing thing is, is that my girlfriend from grade school and high school, whom I married, has never left me, never gave up on me. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm sitting here going, this is amazing. So for the last 22 years, Jim has been, and maybe longer, he's been working with Uplift, which they go out and feed the homeless three times a week. 
And for 22 years, he has had a Bible study in his home where he goes and it takes about two hours to bring people from Kansas City, Missouri, round up those who want to come and have a meal and do a Bible study at his home. He gathers the homeless, he knows them by name, and he comes and he feeds them and they do a Bible study in his home in Johnson County. And I'm sitting there, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This this is amazing. And now he and his wife are going to move from Johnson County and go live amongst the community right there in the thing that's being built at Eden Village. And come on now, this is, this is amazing. And uh, so we were talking a little bit more and he goes, you know, people say, Jim, are you, this was the most profound thing that just kind of rocked my world a little bit here. He said, are you, uh, people asked me, he said, Jim, are you doing what you want to do? And he said, no, I'm not. He goes, what I want to do is drive a Ferrari and play golf. But I'm doing what I'm called to do. And I thought, wow. Wow, there's a disciple of Jesus. There's somebody who has surrendered his life to God. He, he's come from hell. He knows, you know, to whom much is forgiven, much, you know, there's much love for him. When you know that, I'm misquoting, but you guys get the point. And I'm, my, my challenge for every one of us today in this encounter was like, I want to I be that man. I want to be the person. I want to be that person who says, no, I don't always do what I want to do, but I'm going to do what I'm called to do. Come on now. Come on. Isn't that awesome? That's a great word. Ready to get into the word some more? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the gems of this world, Lord, who who have a heart and then have a vision and then just say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And I pray that more of us, God, as your disciples, would we have all these wants. We love pleasure. We love ease. But God, help us not to take that road, that wide road. Help us to take the narrow road every day of our life, the narrow road, God, that leads to life. We pray for grace, God, even now as we hear your word. Help us not to be merely hearers. Help us to mix it with faith have grace upon grace so we could walk it out and bear fruit that you're worthy of and so prove to be your disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen. All right, Joshua chapter 24, we're in a series entitled, Who is in the House? Who is in the House? This is our, our anchor text. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. That's how God wants to be served. Joshua is calling the people back to covenant. He's calling them to a place of fresh commitment. Make a decision right here, right now, today. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? What's it going to be? Yourself, your self-interest, going to be the other gods, the mixture of gods. You're going to serve uh, pagan rituals. You're going to serve, you know, made-up gods, wooden statues. What are you going to do? You need to make a decision. And he's calling them to covenant and to fresh commitment to God. And so he wants him, you to serve God in sincerity. The word sincerity means without wax. In other words, I, I, I'm, I'm through and through. The idols uh, of that day were overlaid with wax. Or, or they would be waxed on the inside but overlaid with gold. And so the, in, the, in the heat of the day, in the marketplace, they'd begin to melt because they weren't genuine. And so sincerity means to be genuine. That's who you are through and through. 
So that's how God wants to be served. And in truth, God doesn't want us to live in denial. He doesn't want to live in little white lies and half-truths. He wants us to be men and women of the truth. And to put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. That's an imperative. Now, young people, let me help you out. When your parents tell you to clean the room, it's not a suggestion. That's not, they're not, they're, they're, it's in the same way here. God is, Joshua's saying, serve the Lord if you're going to serve the Lord. If you're not going to serve the Lord, then quit playing games and move on. If you're not going to fish, get out of the boat. If you're not going to be productive, get out of the boat. If you're just going along for the ride, get out of the boat. Because this isn't a ride, a joy ride. This is, we're serving God right. And we're going to give God the glory that he's worthy of. And we're going to serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is the way this is going to go down. And so you need to be clear. We're, gonna, we're, not, we're not hitting you up with a dinner and then going to hit you up with a bunch of other stuff. No, we're going to tell you up front what this is about. And he's telling them up front. You serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. And Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I hope that you can put your hand on your chest and say, as for me and my house, this house right here. The only house that I have control over is right here. I don't have control over your life. I do not have control over your life. I may have influence if you let me, but I have no control over you. You all understand that? Unless it's by force or manipulation or coercion. And that's because you let me. Y'all understand? It, you have, it's my house, my responsibility. My heart, my responsibility. I, don't, I have no influence other than what you give me. I have no control other than what you give me. You all understand that? This is the absolute truth. Yeah, but they're bigger than you. Well, find a bigger friend. You know, that's all I can tell you. Find another way. Their knees, their knees will go out just like anyone else's will. Just get a bigger ball-peen hammer or something. I don't know. My heart, my responsibility. We got to put away the God of, it's not my fault. The God of, well, you don't have the mother I had or the dad I had. You see, that's what we call the God of excuse. The God of excuse it may be a reason that you're struggling with things you are, but don't ever let it become an excuse. Oh, come on now. You're going to put away these gods. And we go, oh, well, Pastor, we're, we don't have idols. We don't have little Buddhas in our house. We don't have little, you know, we're not, we don't have a thing for Hare Krishna. We don't have incense going. We don't have, yeah, but what other idols do we have? How about the idol of pleasure? Like pleasure's all, pleasure's the nth degree. I want pleasure. And if it's not pleasurable, I don't want to do it. If it's not where I want to eat, I'm not going. If it's not the food I like, I'm not, I'm not participating. See, that, those become idols. There are all kinds of idols. Hurt, pain can become an idol. Idol excuse. It's like put them away. Like put it away. You may have a lot of reasons for why you are the way you are, but listen, don't let it become an excuse to where you won't change or get the help you need or the healing you need or the deliverance you need because it's available. It is. And he's saying this, as for me in my house, this house right here, 
my heart, my responsibility. I want to honor God with my body, with my mind, with my soul, and my spirit. How many of you have heard, so I'm going to title this message today, Who is in the house? You get to decide. This is part four. You get to decide who rules in your house. You get to decide who reigns in your house. You get to decide who occupies the rooms. You get to decide the thoughts that you have and the feelings that you have and the actions that you take. You, you are in charge of your house. How many of you remember the song by Paul McCartney and Wings? Someone's knocking at the door. Come on. Someone's knocking at the door. Uh, I think the lyrics go something like this. I'm not going to try to sing it. Somebody's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Open the door and let them in. There you go, brother. Randy got it. Open the door and let them in. Here's the deal. You get up and you open the door and you let them in. Are you hearing this? <laughs> Paul? No, you want them in, you let them in. You get up off the couch. You open the door and you let them in. God is knocking at your door and nobody else is going to get up and let him in. You get to decide, are you going to let him in? Let's look at Revelation chapter 3. Point number one, someone's knocking at your door, it's Jesus. Jesus is talking to the church in Laodicea. Let's look at it. And to the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness. This is Jesus. He's the amen. He's the so be it. He is the faithful witness and he is the true witness. The beginning of creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. How many would think Jesus is having a bad day? This isn't the kind, sweet, milk toast Jesus that was preached to me all these years. How dare he come in, not understand the, the week I've had, the life I've had to live, that he would come in this way. And not just tell me what a wonderful peachy of a buttercup person I am. And how great I am. See, that's, that's the made up Jesus. That's the made up Jesus that we've made up because we put ourselves at the center of this story. And then we're all that matters in my life and the way I want it and how I want it and the blessings I should get and deserve and all this. And it's like, wait a minute, come on now. He says, listen, I want to do something. I said, I'm, I'm going to counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love. What does he say here? Come on, read it out loud with me. Read it out loud. Where are we at? I, I, this is too big. I, I can't even find it on there. It's like, where's the word at? Let me go back here. As many as I love, what do I do? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Seriously? Seriously? No, pastor. Uh-uh. No, this is what Jesus said. 
You see, if you won't ever rebuke someone, you don't really love them. If you won't ever correct someone, you don't really love them. You don't. You don't. You got some serpy romantic notion of love, but it's not true love. And Jesus said, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and what? Don't mess around with repentance. Like <laughs> delayed obedience is still disobedience. Now I heard that preached by Joy Dawson years, four, probably 40 years ago or so. Delayed, I, I, when I, and when she said it, I'm like, oh, I wish she would go away. And she was a, an amazing woman of God and a Bible teacher and, and just submitted to the Holy Spirit and uh, like conviction just every time she talked. And I'm like, could you go, get, I need another preacher. <laughs> I need someone else. So I want my ears tickled. But see, that's one of the reasons why as a pastor, I mean, I wish I would, I mean, I, I can't do this, but at times I wish I could just come and give you a flowery message week after week and just be the church of feel good. Like, we'll just be the church of feel good. But that wouldn't be really loving. It really wouldn't be loving. Because some of us don't need to feel good about the lifestyle we're living, about the choices we're making. Some of us don't need to feel good about it at all. Some, we don't need to be coddled in our sin. We, no, you're sinning. Your unforgiveness is a sin. Your bitterness is a sin. You're polluting yourself and your family and those around you. It's a sin. You need to repent. Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Go. Cry out to God. Go out into the woods. Do something until heaven comes down and you're, you're, this thing's broken over your life. Get 10 people to bring, lay hands on you and pray for deliverance. Cry out to God. Repent. Well, you know, I've got, a, I've got things to do and I've already made the plans to go on this trip. And, uh, you know, the money's been paid. And, dude, okay. Hope it works out for you. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. So let me break down some background here. Laodicea was an important wealthy city with a significant Jewish population. Like other cities in the region, it was a center for Caesar worship and the worship of the healing god Asclepius. I, 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 yeah, you can see the word there. There was a famous temple of this god in Laodicea with a more famous medical school connected with the temple. After an earthquake devastated the region in AD 60, Laodicea refused imperial help to rebuild the city, successfully relying on their own resources. Okay, so what happened? So, so the Laodicean church had become part of their culture instead of bringing the culture of the kingdom into Laodicea. Are you with me? They had become their culture instead of bringing culture to their culture. And that's why Jesus had to bring this rebuke. That's why he had to come and say, listen, you need to buy some counsel for me and you need to get clothed because you're not as clothed as you think you are. So they're self-sufficient. 
They didn't need outside help. They didn't ask for it, and they didn't want it. Laodicea was too rich to accept help from anyone. Tactius, the Roman historian, tells us, Barclay in his commentary says, Laodicea arose from the ruins by the strength of their own resources and with no help from us. Laodicea was also a noted commercial center, and some of its goods were exported all over the world. It's frequently noted that Laodicea prided itself on three things, financial wealth, an extensive textile industry, and a popular eye salve, which was exported around the world. One of their problems was a poor water supply that made Laodicea vulnerable to attack through siege. If an enemy army surrounded the city, they had insufficient water supplies in this city, and the supplies coming into the city would be easily cut off. Therefore, here's what happened. The leaders of Laodicea were always accommodating to any potential enemy and always wanted to negotiate and compromise instead of fight. Are you hearing this? Are you, are you seeing the analogy? So the culture had crept into the, the culture of the church, the people of God. Their main water supply came on a six-mile aqueduct from the hot springs of Hierapolis. Because the water came from hot springs, it arrived unappetizingly lukewarm. So they became like the water they were drinking. The faithful and the true witness. This is Jesus, and this was a contrast to the Laodiceans who will be shown to be neither faithful nor true. You are neither cold nor hot. This picture of lukewarmness would immediately connect with the Christians of Laodicea because the water they drank every day was lukewarm. Jesus said, just as the water you drink is disgustingly lukewarm, you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. In this spiritual sense, Lukewarmness is a picture of indifference and compromise. Let me ask you something. Who's in the house? Who's in the house? What areas of my life has lukewarmness or indifference crept in? Come on now. <laughs> Where is it? What could it be? See, it tries to play the middle. Too hot to be cold and too cold to be hot. Trying to be both things, they end up being nothing except to hear the words, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I don't want to hear those words. I don't want to hear them. Let me ask you a question. How hot is your, your love for God? How hot is it? Your first love. Not the, I've been hurt and wounded and disappointed, but my first love. How hot is it? You know, you can go back to it. You don't have to stay where you are. You can go back to your first love. You left it. That's what happened. You didn't lose it. You left it. You know how you left it? Maybe not even intentionally. But you left it because life happened. Disappointment happened. Hurt happened. Injustice happened. People betrayed you. Life got hard. Prayers didn't get answered. And it all came in to distract you from your first love. David Guzik in his commentary writes, Has there been a greater curse upon the earth than empty religion? 
Is there any soul harder to reach than the one who is just enough of Jesus to think they have enough? The church of Laodicea exemplifies empty religion and tax collectors and harlots more open to Jesus than the scribes and the Pharisees. Satan will have us any way he can get us, but he prizes a lukewarm religionist far above a cold-hearted sinner. I'm telling you, that's so true. One of the things I love about going out on the streets, ministering to the poor, and getting around sinners is, man, they're just honest. They'll tell you the truth, man. He goes on to write, I wish that you were cold or hot. What Jesus wanted to change in them, and as much as anything, is the deceptive plane of the middle, trying to please both the world and Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Where are you trying to play both the world and Jesus? Who's in the house? Who's in the house? He writes, "I I could wish that you were cold or hot. Also points to another aspect of lukewarmness as a picture of uselessness. Hot water heals, cold water refreshes, but lukewarm water is useless for either purpose. Morris says, it was as if Jesus said, if you were hot or cold, I could do something with you. But because you are neither, I will do nothing. That's powerful. It's like, if you were hot, I can work with you. If you're cold, I can work with you. But when you're lukewarm, I can do, I'm, in fact, I'm not going to do anything with you. Like, that's the last thing I want to hear God. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do anything with you. No, Lord, no, no. The lukewarm Christian has enough of Jesus to satisfy a craving for religion, but not enough for eternal life. We might even say that lukewarmness is the natural tendency of our fallen natures. Alas, Virgin writes, this state of lukewarmness is so congenial with human nature that it is hard to fetch men from it. Cold makes us shiver and great heat causes us pain, but a tepid bath is comfort itself. Such a temperature suits human nature. This world is always at peace with the lukewarm church, and such a church is always pleased with itself. Oh, man, come on. Wreck my heart. Hey, I have to study this stuff to bring it. You say, well, pastor, go read something else, will you please? (laughs) Believe me, at times I wish I could. Laodiceans put their trust in material prosperity and outward luxury and in physical health. They felt like they didn't need anything. The loss of a sense of need as the drowsiness that besets a freezing man is fatal, Newell says in his commentary. The city of Laodicea was famous for its wealth, but the Christians of the city were spiritually wretched, miserable, and poor. Laodicea was famous for its healing eye salve, famous for it, but the Christians of the city were spiritually blind. Laodicea was famous for its fine clothing, but the Christians of the city were spiritually naked. I counseled you to buy from me. The change in the Laodiceans had to begin with the understanding of their spiritual poverty. See, until you and I fully understand our spiritual poverty, we're going to think we're fine. We're good. I'm good. I'm good. Go give it to someone who really needs it. Go help someone who really needs it. I'm good. I'm good. As long as we believe we can meet the need for wealth, clothing, or sight ourselves, we can never receive them from Jesus. We must seek these things from Jesus instead of trying to rely upon themselves. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. 
with such a sharp rebuke, had Jesus lost his love for his errant church? Absolutely not. Jesus' great love is expressed in his rebuke. It is, in fact, God's final punishment to leave a man alone. That's God's final punishment. You don't want me? Then have it your way. You don't want my mind? Then follow your own. Go read Romans 1. I give you over. I don't want to be left alone by God. I hope that you don't either. The word for love is as many as, in as many as I love is not agape, but phileo. Jesus' heart to his church is even though I rebuke you and chasten you, I'm still your friend. I love you as deeply as my friend. You see, I hope you have some friends in your life who won't placate your sin, who won't coddle it. I hope you have some friends in your life that they know you well enough to know when you're growing cold, when something's wrong. Don't lie to me. Don't, don't, listen, we've been around too long. Don't disrespect our friendship. What's going on? What are you struggling with? What's happening? Let the righteous smite me. It shall be oils upon my head. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of the enemy. I hope you've got some people in your world that will at least try and attempt to pull you aside. You may not listen, but at least they love you enough to, to bring what you need and not what you want. Therefore, be zealous and repent. He commanded them to make a decision to repent, to continue in zeal. Turn your way, Jesus said. Don't look to your own riches and resources because they are really bankrupt. Turn around and look to me. The ancient word, Greek word zealous comes from the same word as hot in Revelation 3.16. Though Jesus detested their lukewarmness, he would really rather them be hot with zeal rather than cold. Let me, let me move quickly. He was inviting them to a dinner, a supper, the main meal. That's what he said. That's when he's knocking at the main time where the most food was consumed. And it wasn't a snack. It was a long, lengthy meal where there was communion and fellowship. And that's what he's knocking at the door. Hey, I don't want five minutes. I want to come to the main course and I want to sit down and I want to commune with you and I want to dine with you. And I want us to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk. Will you let me in? Will you let me in? Are you going to relegate me to a, a quick devotion and you're on with your day? Are you going to dine? I want to dine with you. I want to sit across from the table as a friend and ask you, what are you dealing with? What are you feeling? What's in this room? Why won't you let me open this door? What's happening here? Why are you closed down? Why are you so harsh? Why are you so angry? Why are you so timid and afraid? What's going on? Let me in. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. Why won't you let go of what you know you need to let go of? What is the thing that's holding you? What idol needs to be knocked over? Listen, here's the solution. Two points, and then we're going to have a time of response. Throw open wide the gate. That's what God's asking you and me to do. Throw open wide the gate. The earth belongs to the Lord, and so does everything in it. You own nothing. You are a steward of everything in your life. I hope you will get that. 
I hope you will get that settled. I am God's. I belong to God. I've been bought by God. I've been purchased by God. I've been created by God and for God. This is it. I'm not in charge. He is. He's God. All hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. All hail creator of heaven and earth. It's not mine. It's yours, oh God. The world belongs to him and all, so all so do all those who live in it. He set it firmly on the oceans. He made it secure on the waters. Who can go up to the temple on the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Anyone who has clean hands and a pure heart. Anyone who does not trust in the statue of a God. Anyone who doesn't use the name of that God when he makes a promise. People like that will receive the Lord's blessing. When God, their Savior, hands down his sentence, it will be in their favor. The people who look to God are like that. God of Jacob, they look to you. Open wide. And here's, here's what you and I are called to do. This is the longing of the Spirit of God who wants to come and say, will you throw open wide the gate of your heart? Will you get up and answer the door and say, come on in, King of glory. Open wide. Open up, you ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord who is strong and mighty. The Lord who is mighty in battle. Open wide, you gates. Open wide, you ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is this? this king of glory the lord who rules over all he is the king of glory point number three so what does that mean it's time to clean house it's time to clean house jesus entered the temple he didn't enter the hotel you're a you're a temple and not a hotel you got to remember this you're a temple you are the temple of god you and I make up the temple of God, and I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I belong to God, and God has every right to enter his temple. But he gives you the choice of whether or not you'll let him. You get to decide. And I'm going to tell you, he wants to come in, and he wants to clean house. He does. He wants to heal the hurt and the bitterness. He wants to heal the injustice. He wants to deliver you from demons and strongholds. He wants to deliver you from the love of money and the love of lust and the love and the pride of life. He wants to deliver it if you let him in. Will you let him come in and kick over the tables that need to be kicked over? Will you let him chase out the robbers and the thieves that have come in that are robbing you of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, that the weeds of life that are choking out the good that wants to grow, God wants to come in. Church, will you let him? Stand with me if you would, please. I've asked the team to come and sing this song as a way to respond to this word. I'm going to create a moment here. God is for people to answer the altar, to come and make an altar here. You can come today and you can give your heart to Jesus if you've never done that. You can return to your first love if you need to. You can return to God if you need to. You can come and say, God, I want to be cleansed. I want, I want, I open, open wide the gate of my heart. Come on in, King of glory. You own me. You have every right to every place of my heart. And I'm going to let go of my stubbornness. I'm going to let go of my rebellion. I'm going to let go of the idol of my excuse. Today it goes. Today, God, today I return. Today, I open my heart to you. Today, I open my life and say, oh God, have your way. I'm not going to make excuses for my adultery or for my sin or my rebellion or clear uh, rebellion against what I know to be right and true and just. I, I come with sincerity today. 
maybe for whatever reason you don't have the courage to step out, you feel like you don't need to, no condemnation, but right where you stand, I hope that you will encounter God. Because I'm not here just to preach a good message and get a bunch of likes. I'm here, hopefully, to communicate the heart of God that's compelling and longing for you to surrender to Him and let the King of glory in. Let Him in your marriage. Let Him in your heart. Let Him in your mind. Let Him in your business. Give it all to Him today. Give Him your car and your land and your 401k and your pension and all your, all your worries about the future and your children. God, give them to God today and let Him have them. Father, in Jesus' name, we're not here to play games. We're not here to check off a box. We're here to encounter you, the living God, and your living word. God, let, it, let us respond. Give us the grace to say yes, King of glory. Come on in. King of glory, come on in and have your way. Have your way in this temple right here, right now, right in this heart, my heart. Just lay your hand on your heart and say, God, have your way here. Break what needs to break. Cleanse what needs to be cleansed. Drive out what needs to be driven out. Plant what needs to be planted. Oh, God, have your way. In Jesus' name, let's sing this together.